I offer for your journalistic pleasures my life story. So, how long have you been dead? The year was 1910. My business was desire. Let me introduce you to Mr. Lestat de Leoncourt. I know who you are, sir. We're destined to be very good friends. I'm assuming you only met at night. It's New Orleans. Days are for sleeping off the previous evening's damage. That's your thing, then? You like to watch? I've been watching you for some time now. I can swap this life of shame. Swap it out for a dog gift. Let the tale seduce you. Just as I was seduced. There was a boy. He was my murderer, my mentor, my lover, and my maker. A very strange and chatty boy. It was as if I could finally receive the secrets of existence. Your eyes. I could search window. I was not yet ready to hunt, but desperate to feed. It's best to let the food come to you. You're not welcome in this home. This is how it has to be. I don't want to kill people. You're a vampire. I could not save myself. But I could save her. She'll be what? A daughter. We're a family. She is poisoning you against me. You two have each other. Who am I supposed to love? This is not a life! You took my life! We'll be together 10,000 nights, 100,000. Ready to begin the adventure of our lives. My companions in immortality. Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by... Amir Ture. And Eric Wong. Tonight... We are talking about the new series on AMC, an updated adaptation of 1994's Interview with a Vampire, or more accurately, an adaptation of Anne Rice's Interview with a Vampire or the Vampire Chronicles. I do believe that they're going to adapt the entire line of Vampire Chronicles novels, which we've never seen on screen before. But I wanted to start off talking a little bit about the novels, if we've read them, and the 1994 movie by Neil Jordan, which stars Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt, before getting into this adaptation. So, have you guys seen Interview with a Vampire, the 1994 movie? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, it's fun. I enjoyed it. It's a fun little vampire film. I think it's, like, well acted. It's cool to see Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise uh, together. Uh, Kirsten Dunst is in this. <laughs> Antonio Banderas, Christian Slater. It's a fun cast, and it's a fun movie. Um if you're into vampire stuff, I think this belongs in like the vampire canon, right? Yeah, it's a great movie. I like it a lot. Yeah, like you said, uh, typical 90s stuff. What a 90s cast, right? Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, Christian Slater, yep. Christian Dunst as a kid. Yeah, great cast. I actually really do like all the performances in it. I think Tom Cruise is incredible as Lestat. Someone just tried to post like a takedown of Tom Cruise. Like, he's terrible in this movie. I disagree. <laughs> I think he's great. In Interview with a Vampire. If anything, I think Brad Pitt is a little lacking in it. It's funny. Two things that dig directly to those two points. Anne Rice herself 
was like, oh, Tom Cruise is like a terrible choice. Like, fuck that. <laughs> and she was like very unhappy with uh, them picking him for the role. And then she saw it and she was like, oh, um, actually, he was really good, <laughs> which I think says a lot. And then to your second point about Pitt being sleepy, he himself is like, uh, I didn't really like the role that much. Like, I think he really liked the role as it was written in the book. But I think he didn't really like the adaptation too much. I think he felt he didn't get a ton to do. And really, Les Stott is sort of the driver here. This is sort of a, I don't know, Joker Batman sort of thing where the villain or the, or the more villainous anti-hero is more compelling than the uh, sort of guy being seduced. I don't know. He was also similarly unhappy with the role. So I, I think you're kind of dead on there, too. It's interesting because Interview with a Vampire, the movie, and I think to some extent the show here definitely makes Louie the main character. Even though for the Vampire Chronicles itself, it's more Lestat-centered. I don't know how much we're going to get of this series. I do hope it's renewed. This is another one of those AMC shows where I feel like we're spreading the gospel and a handful of other people online where we did this with Gangs of London, too. But thankfully, that got a second season. So hopefully we'll cover that next year when the show comes out. But yeah, what did you think of the 1994 movie, Derek? You know, it was a long, long time ago that I had watched it, so I didn't really remember it very well. Uh-huh. To the point where I was just like, man, I kind of question if I've ever seen this movie. Um, I know I have, but kind of watching it again, I was, not to say I wasn't a fan of it, but I think it's very much of a time. It's kind of interesting to watch it juxtaposed to this new series, which mm -hmm. I, I think the original movie feels a little rushed. I feel like there's a lot of story for that two-hour time period. It feels like two movies in one, mm -hmm. like a part one, part two to the whole movie. And I feel like it's interesting how we criticize a lot of movies nowadays trying to create sequels and create stories that will create universes and whatnot. And I felt like you know, people weren't talking about that back in 94, but it felt like that's kind of what this movie was trying to do, right? knowing that it's part of a trilogy or a collection of books. And it felt like there was still some things left on the table that it would want to expand in like future movies. Yeah, well, they kind of botched that whole thing too, right? Because they kind of did this standalone sequel to Interview with a Vampire, the 94 version with Queen of the Damned in 2002. That was that Aaliyah the movie. Aaliyah you guys movie, remember yeah. that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they couldn't get Tom Cruise back, so they got Stuart Townsend to play Lestat. I don't think it was received very well critically, kind of a box office bomb too. So I feel like at that point, the cinematic universe of Anne Rice's novels was just dead in the water. And then, I don't know, I guess late 2010s, they decided to maybe reboot the series. Anne Rice was involved, but sadly she passed away in December of last year. So I believe her son... Another <laughs> fantasy <laughs> author having their kids pick up the mantle on like a TV adaptation, I guess. So we've been talking about that two weeks in a row. Now it's the third week where we talk about something <laughs> like that. Anything else you wanted to say about the movie? It's, I think, a great Kristen Dunst performance. You kind of yeah. forget that she started out, you know, as a child actor and she was great from the get go and like she's still been great, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's really interesting to see a very young Tom Cruise, very young Brad Pitt, but also a very young Kristen Dunst. So, going into the series, this set off, like, every single warning bell in my head. You know, it's an adaptation of a movie I liked with pretty good original performances. Like I said, Tom Cruise is a standout. And going into the series, 
like you have that title card where it's like immortal universe so yeah they're trying to build this cinematic or tv universe from the get-go which we all know how that shit always goes and so that set off huge red flag in my head and then not that i have anything against diversity in our shows or anything but i do think they tend to be more heavy-handed and less subtle when they're changing the race of characters from the books or the old movies to the new adaptation because uh this new show stars jacob anderson who plays gray worm in game of thrones and he's the new louis also i just love saying louis de point de lock i think that's a fucking great name (laughs) (laughs) i was kind of worried going into the show but this is like one of my favorite series of the year i think maybe behind house of the dragon and I think they did a great job of updating a lot of elements from the novel and the movie into its own modern version, right? I think all the actors in it are fantastic. So we've seen three episodes. We've all seen three episodes. They're on AMC+. Plus. I think AMC+, Plus is a week ahead. So you can watch on AMC, but it is only two episodes. The third episode comes out next week. But you can get a free trial for AMC Plus and watch all three right now. I really dug the show. I think it's doing a lot of interesting things. I don't know. What about you guys? What did you guys think of the show? I enjoyed it. I probably don't like it quite as much as you did. Okay. I don't think there's a bunch of things I enjoyed more than it this season. I think I like Andor more than this, for example. Um, Oh, really? Okay. There's a couple of things we've seen lately. But this is quite good. I think it's a very deft reboot. Um, and, you know, we're always wary of reboots. We're wary of, you know, the fact that anything these days has to be an established franchise or something like that. But I agree they do a really good job with it. They have a deft hand with the racial touches. They've taken Louis from a – he's like an antebellum slave owner in the original, right? Yeah, well, he's white in the original. Mm-hmm. And that's late 18th century, like 1791, I think. And something now like it's – and, and, uh, and they move it to like – 1910s New Orleans. 1910s yeah. New Orleans. Um, and they turn him into like a Creole queer man. And they completely flip the racial dynamics on his head. Uh, and then they also are able to be explicit about the homoerotic love at the center of the story in a way that they mm-hmm. weren't able to do in the earlier series. So I think it adds a lot. It's quite a lot of fun. It's bloody and funny and fun, sexy show. I don't know. I thought it was pretty good. What do you think, Derek? I probably gave it away a little bit when I was talking about the original movie earlier. Uh, I think I do like this experience more so far than I had with the movie, kind of like revisiting the movie. Like, I'm really, really liking the series so far. Do have a soft spot for like vampire stuff. Like, I don't know why like vampires as a creature is like always one of my favorites. I like watching a lot of vampire movies and I think this was leaning towards a lot of my interest already. I think one of the things I really like most about it so far is that it's really been able to kind of delve into like the lore, what it means to be a vampire. When I said the original movies feels rushed sometimes with the ideas of their hunger and like the nature of vampires, I feel is very on the sleeve in the movie and very much set in exposition. Like I think the show gives it a little bit more room to breathe and like you know, let that growth happen in Louis's character throughout the first three episodes, going from like someone who is newly made into a vampire to someone who like is trying to choose the path of, I don't know what you want to call it, vampire pacifism, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Trying not to like kill 
human beings. I think that progression in the first three episodes and hopefully throughout the series is a little bit more flushed out. And I really like that aspect of it. Yeah, I totally think it's better suited as a series. Mm -hmm. I do think that the movie is rushed. I mean, it's two hours and you got to give both Lestat and Louis an arc in that. Mm -hmm. Plus the Daniel Malloy character, the journalist, the whole interview portion of the movie. And I think the whole thing is just better packaged as a series. Yeah. And you have Eric Bogosian as Daniel Malloy here. And there's an interesting twist there, too, which I think is really fun. I mean, first of all, Eric Bogosian is like a fucking Anthony Bourdain doppelganger. Here, <laughs> yeah. Right? Absolutely. Like, they even give <laughs> yeah. him the Masterclass show, which opens the first episode where he's watching his own Masterclass ad. And he sounds just like Anthony Bourdain, and he's like a journalist here. The cadence is very similar. That deep voice is very similar. And just like his vocabulary and the way he talks is the same and the way he does the narration. I think it's just a lampshading on how much he even looks like him and uh, sounds like him. Yeah. I think they kind of let that go once he starts interviewing Louis. But the interesting wrinkle is that this is his second interview with Louis. Yeah. Right? He interviewed him decades ago. And now, like, he has, like, a Parkinson's diagnosis, right? Because he has, like, the shaking hand. So he wants a redo of the interview. He's like in the twilight of his career and maybe his life. And he wants to just do over the interview where he thought that maybe he wasn't asking the right questions. I mean, this is decades later, right? And I think that's a really interesting perspective here, too. I think Eric Bogosian does a great job in this show, too. So it was interesting to me that he's been sitting on this knowledge that he's a vampire like he's been holding the secret for however long that's like kind of an interesting wrinkle to their relationship too yeah i love all the interview stuff me too actually i think the interview stuff in the movie is kind of an afterthought yeah not to knock christian slater i like christian slater a lot i do think the end tag with lestat attacking him in the movie is pretty fun mm -hmm. but there's a lot of depth to the interview here that i really really like Talking about, like, how selective our memories are. Yes. The performance and theater of stories. Yet another piece of media in this year where it's, you know, about the power of stories and, like, what we do to manipulate it. And I really, really do like that. And I think the interview stuff has tinges of... And the show in general, actually, has tinges of Hannibal a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and yeah. I was surprised to see that. Brian Fuller was attached to this in 2018, and he left. Mm, um, oh. So I thought that was really fun. It is um, funny. I don't think he left any of his footprint on this show. No. But I think it's fun to see that at least I got some Hannibal vibes from this. I absolutely did. Well, there's a little Hannibal tableau even in the third yeah, episode. Yeah, in the third episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, mm -hmm. the sort of gay relationship at the center is sort of very Hannibal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the discussion over extravagant meals, it's like, yeah. okay, it's very, <laughs> reminded me very much of Hannibal. The serial killer mentor trying to seduce his mentee <laughs> into yeah, yeah, killing yeah. more people. It's very, yeah, I mean. Louis yeah. fighting his darkness, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's really interesting to rewatch the 94 version and like there is this kind of like subtext, of their homosexual nature of these characters, but like. What was subtext is just completely text in the show, right? Like it's no subtleties, right? I mean, that's the original novel, too, right? I think... Oh, is it? Okay, yeah. The novel is more explicit with the queerness of the vampires. Okay. Louis and Lestat. 
So I read something interesting where a critic wrote, I forget who it was, but he wrote that turning the subtext into text kind of makes the show worse than the movie, which I don't actually agree with, but it is an interesting thing to say, because I think homosexuality as subtext, there's like an inherent camp to it that is very, very funny and like playful, which... I mean, there's to a certain extent there is in this show, but in the movie, it's a little more interesting to watch something like that. But I do like that they turned the subtext into text. It's one of the few examples of that where I I actually think they did a good job. So I don't know what you think about that. I mean, I think it's kind of come with like 30 years of evolution, like Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 94, you couldn't do this, right? You wouldn't get the stars to sign on if you did it. You just wouldn't be able to tell the story the way that I guess the original novels told it. But like now in in 2022, it's like, if they didn't do it, I think people would say something. But like, why did you not take the opportunity to like tell the story as it was intended? Uh Uh-huh. So I've got like a couple things. I agree with your points. Like you so couldn't do this in 94 that Anne Rice herself was thinking about changing Louie into a woman um, in order to, like, satisfy Hollywood. So we almost mm. got For the movie. G- yes. So that they the can movie. have a relationship. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I see. So I see. that's how much you couldn't do it 30 years ago. Like, you can definitely do it now and you should. I agree with you, Jeff, that that person is wrong. And I had the same thought. I was like, oh, wow, this is, like, pretty explicit. Is it worse? And I was like, and I thought about it. I was like, no, it's not worse. It's definitely, like, way better for being explicit. Mm-hmm. It's just better, right? I think, yeah. like, you can appreciate the metaphor of the vampire as sexual predator and the, like, um, analogies to stigmatization against homosexuality without it having to be gun-shy about actually showing gay guys having relationships yeah. and having sex. Like, you don't mm-hmm. have to make it subtle in order to, to have that there right exactly i think there's a way it could have been way worse but i think everything here is pretty well done and i think the same extends to the commentary it has on race too the race stuff is pretty sharp like it's not bad it's pretty sharp right um it's fun Uh, to see uh racist white guys get hannibaled so like that's that's (laughs) cool (laughs) that is cool i'll defer to you amir (laughs) yeah okay first of all jacob anderson was wasted as gray worm he's excellent here as louis Yes. Dupont a lot. For sure. Excellent. For sure. Um, he gets to just show a lot of subtlety and emotion that you didn't really see from him. Great Moore is like a very restricted role. I guess for people who don't know, this is like a, a eunuch child soldier from the Game of Thrones universe. He's this very stoic sort of guy who has difficulty expressing emotion or whatever. He's uh, a completely different person from Louis, right? He's an aesthete. He's a closeted Creole pimp. <laughs> in, like, 1910s New Orleans. And, like, that already has so many more layers to play than the role he had. And I think he does an excellent yeah. job here. Okay, so are they gay or are they bisexual? Or is it just not? I mean, my read, and I could be wrong, my read is that Lestat is bi and, like, Louis mm-hmm. seems like he's gay, right? Louis into men. Yeah. Like, Louis has never shown any interest in women as far as you can tell right yeah because there's that scene where they're with the prostitute and she says like oh normally you just want to talk like you never want to do anything oh okay yeah so i think the implication is that he puts up the image that he wants to be with women but he's never actually been with one or is not interested no he's not into women at all yeah yeah with miss lily right that's right yes Uh, miss lily prostitute yeah Mm -hmm. another thing that i found interesting was this portrayal of like an upper-class black family in 1910s New Orleans. Yeah, it was like yeah, yeah. something mm-hmm. you never see, especially when you're talking about like 
the past of the United States, right? Yeah, it's interesting. It's like the indignities, like you still had to suffer even if you were like a, someone of means or whatever. Yeah, it's like a whole new set of problems for him. It's definitely something you don't see on TV a lot, like a upper-class black man in the 1910s. It's very different. I think they just did a very smart job of their like race-bending here, of, of, of changing this white guy into a black guy. They did a really good job with it. It seems like they have something to say with it. And I think, in general, it seems like shows are getting better at this, because I think this is like one of like two or three now in a row projects where they've changed the race of the character and then the show has really benefited. You know, it felt like for a while that you were seeing a lot of these race-bent castings as like bait for praise or just like tokenism or just like empty gestures, right? But um, it seems like they're doing this stuff in a way that really serves the narrative. It feels like maybe, yeah, they're figuring out how to pull off these changes and make them really sing. So I I was impressed with what they did here with the race stuff, right? What are the other two shows that you thought did this well? So, off the top of my head, I know House of the Dragon did it well, right? Yeah, with the Valerians. Changing the uh-huh. Valerians from, like, there's more Game of Thrones talk, but changing the Valerians from a white house to a black house really, I think, makes them stand out. It lets you instantly know who's part of what family in a way that maybe would have been difficult in uh, in other ways. It, it highlights the contrast of certain things going on in that show. So, I think that was really smart and really well done. I was going to say the Rings of Power, but not really. <laughs> not particularly. <laughs> It's fine in the Rings of Power, but it's not like used to any good effect, right? Yeah, I think the thing with Rings of Power is that it's more colorblind than actually doing it intelligently. Yes. Like, it's just representation and they don't make a huge deal of it, which is kind of nice in its own way. Yeah, I think for Tolkien, it's kind of what you would have to do, right? Unless you're doing a complete subversion. I think it's funny because someone wrote an article about, like, you know, why does Rings of Power get so much hate, but then interview the vampire? No one's talking about it, and like no one's making it a big deal, and no one's hating on the show for changing Louis into a black guy. And I was like, well, first of all, people have to watch a show to yeah. fucking hate on it because I don't think anyone knows this show existed. Yeah, I mean, and to be fair, it just came out, and yeah. I sold a ton of books, and people liked the movie, but like, it, it's not Gerald Tolkien, right? Yeah, 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 you know what I mean. Like, the appeal it, it, is more niche for the appeal sure. Appeal is I definitely think. more niche. Tolkien's this huge thing. And Tolkien's conservative in a lot of ways, and it appeals to a more conservative audience, a conservative outlook, right? And Rice's books were in, like, I don't know, in the mid-1970s, openly pro-gay. And I think people who are pro-gay will tend to cluster with other sorts of, like, pro-diversity outlooks, at least in, like, the modern American political context. So I think it's not – it wouldn't be unusual if Tolkien fans were, on the whole, more regressive – than, I don't know, Anne Rice fans, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I think that would be reasonable to expect. But yeah, Interview is using race really, really intelligently. And I mean, it's a more real-life portrayal, right? I know there's vampires in it, but like it does have a real-world setting. Yeah. It goes a long way to giving them the ability to make these real-world comparisons without it. Yeah. A, a fucking moral tract or whatever, right? Like, you can only do so much in a Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings show until you go, like, why is there this racial allegory yeah. show. Like, it doesn't fit this world. It doesn't make sense. Whereas, like, it makes perfect sense in the show. Another parallel that I got from this was in episode three, where Louis takes his revenge on, like, the alderman who's trying to fuck over his business. I got, like, Black Wall Street vibes from this, right? Because, like, mm. he makes that tableau of the dead alderman. He props him up on the fence with his, like, guts hanging out. And the white people go fucking haywire. And like, start like a riot. Yeah, they start, so like, start a like a riot. Like a race riot. Like, yeah. 
your race riot like burned down all the black businesses. Louise Azalea Club gets burned down, and that's our introduction to Claudia, right? Um, played by Bailey Bass, who we yes only fleetingly see at the end of episode three. But that's like another real world parallel that I thought of when I was watching this. Yeah, I, I guess I didn't catch that. It didn't come to my mind when I watched that, but that, that is okay. a really good app comparison. I do like that. But yeah, I mean, anyone remembers the 1994 movie, Claudia is essentially like the third lead of that movie. So it will be interesting to see how she plays into this series. Is my understanding correct? This first season's only seven episodes? Is it? I don't know. I didn't read up about how long the okay. first season is. I mean, just looking at IMDb, it looks like all the main actors have only been listed out for seven episodes. Like, they may be listed out for more, but, like, usually by now you know how many episodes are in the total run. So, if they've yeah, only yeah. listed out as seven, I'm wondering if it is only seven for this first season. And I don't think they have the runway to do, like, all of at least the interview with the vampire in 1994. Like, all the things that happened in that movie. Like, I don't know if they have the runway to do that in this first season if they only have seven episodes. I think they could get there. Uh, okay. Maybe. I think they could get there. It depends how fast they want to move. I don't know. I'd, I guess I'd have to rewatch the 94 movie to see, like, when does Claudia come in and all of that. But I feel like they're about on pace. You're three episodes mm-hmm. out of a seven episode season. You're introducing Claudia now. I mean, they probably, like, introduce Claudia into the movie maybe, like, 30, 40 minutes in. But then, like, if you guys remember the movie, like, within an hour, hour 10, hour 20 is when they go in and they switch and they, you know... Not to give anything potential spoils away, you know, they go to Europe and, and like the story switches. So like if they're already on episode four out of seven, I don't know. I don't know if there's enough runway. I don't mind extending to maybe like a second season where that's when we actually switch sceneries, switch to a whole new location. Like that would actually kind of make sense to me if we stayed within like New Orleans. We'll see what they do. I think we're going to get a little bit of a time jump. You think? Especially after like all of Louis' businesses get burned down and the introduction of Claudia, I think we'll get a little time jump. And it's interesting that across all three adaptations, or all three versions of Vampire Chronicles, the age of Claudia is different, right? Mm. In the Vampire Chronicles, she's eternally five years old, which is kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. And then Claudia in the movie is aged up a little bit. I don't know how old she's supposed to be, maybe like nine, ten? Probably, yeah. And then I think here, Claudia is going to be... 14 it's a different dynamic i don't know when she's going to be turned into a vampire i mean obviously she's going to be it's the perfect age to marry a king no, i'm just kidding <laughs> oh <my> god <laughs> game of thrones here but to play into that it's gonna be a lot of the frustration of being stuck after just hitting puberty or right before or, or yeah. something like that that awkward gray area and just being that age forever i think that's an interesting thing that i think they're gonna play with in this series so We'll see how they handle that. I mean, but also speaking to my point, though, like you can't have her be on the series too long, right? I mean, like... Yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The luxury of a movie is like, you know, it's filmed over a couple months. The actor won't actually age too much. But like, you know, a series, an actor, especially if it is a teenage actor, can age and start looking older, you know, over years. It can uh, work against the illusion that, you know, she's never supposed to age. You're going to get a weird Stranger Things situation yeah 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 yeah. or walls from lost (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say i do find it interesting that lestat the actor they found gives off major like brad pitt vibes even though like Uh you know brad pitt was the yes he does louis i get entirely what you're saying it was kind of weird like i said i didn't really remember 
the original movie. So like it was to the point where I don't even remember which one was which. And I was convinced like before even watching the movie again, I was like, oh, uh, Brad Pitt's Lestat, right? Because he looks like Sam Reed. <laughs> it was a little surprising to me to find out like, oh, okay, no, it was the opposite. Uh, so what do you guys think of Sam Reed as Lestat? He's great. I think he's better great. than Tom Cruise. Uh, I like Tom Cruise, but maybe. I think I still prefer Tom Cruise, but Sam Reed is great. Sam Reed's excellent in this. And the reason I know he's excellent is because I looked up where he's from. He's Australian. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So he doesn't sound like Crocodile Dundee. He's doing a good job with the French accent. His French accent is excellent, at least yeah. to me. I'm not to like my, a French I don't speak person, French, so. so I mean, you know, I can't say. But it sounds fine to me. I think he's doing an excellent job. I don't know. They got two, like, good-looking, sexy guys to play the two leads in this show. And I think in yeah. a show like this, that's really important. So um, good on them. Good job from the casting directors and whatnot, right? Like, excellent choices. I mean, to answer your question about Tom Cruise versus Sam Reed, like, I think they're both good in the roles. Like, I think it's interesting. They play them very differently, but then I feel like the energy that they're giving off is very similar, right? Very confident, very eccentric in a way, very powerful. I like the choice to make him like – I feel like Tom Cruise can't pull off a French accent, so like he didn't try in the yeah, original movie. Yeah. Versus like Lestat is very much French, you know, in this show. So like I really do like that choice. And the actor's great. Maybe they haven't gotten far enough, but I do think Tom Cruise is scarier as Lestat than Sam Reed mm. is so far. Yeah, Tom Cruise has this fucking manic intensity that yeah. we haven't yet seen from Sam Reed. For sure. I mean, he does murder some fucking priests. Like, he murders a bunch of people in the show. Let's yeah. uh, let's give him his due. I wonder how the show plays on AMC and not AMC+, because I wonder if all the sex and violence, like the nudity and the gore, makes it onto AMC. I've only watched it on the app. And I'm sorry to say the app fucking sucks. It's terrible. Yeah, it does. It's one I of the worst streaming apps of <laughs> all time. Holy shit, is this thing a shit stain. I will give AMC like some credit. For the longest time, they didn't even have an app. It was so hard to get AMC Plus because you had to like subscribe it through like, an Amazon device or something. And like, I don't know. I feel like no app is better than this shit. <laughs> yeah, no, but like, I was like, oh, they actually have an app now. I was like, very surprised. Yeah. And it's not great. So you could definitely tell. I feel like it's in its infancy. Hopefully it'll just get better. Didn't they also have issues with the um, Better Call Saul finale or something like that? Yeah, yeah. I think their thing like crashed or something. Yeah. The end of episode one gets like your first big gory action scene that was right? great uh, yeah <laughs> it was great so like this whole episode louis just being like put through the ringer right he doesn't have like a romantic relationship with miss lily but they are friends right and then yeah. he finds out that you know she's died of a quote-unquote mysterious fever and she's like found under the dock so like he suspects lestat and then his brother kills himself that was a crazy scene too on the roof of their house that was mm -hmm. insane so his brother Paul is like this religious, I don't know if he's like a fanatic, but he's a very religious person. And I think like the family prescribes it to like his mental illness or something. So I don't think you ever get like a, a direct reason for his suicide, right? I don't think mm -hmm. like you get a reason why he kills himself. But uh, they've always been at odds because Louis owns like a brothel. He's kind of a hedonist. And then Paul's like so strictly religious. After Paul kills himself, Louis goes to like confessional at the church, which I thought was a great scene from Jacob Anderson, too, where he breaks down and he's like, oh, I lay down with a man, I lay down with a devil. And then Lestat yanks the priest from the confessional booth 
and fucking eats him. <laughs> yeah. And then another priest comes in and they do this whole slow motion thing and then Lestat puts his fist through his head. I don't know if you'll see that on AMC. That That's the one brutal. thing I was like, man, I don't know if you'll see that thing. <laughs> But that was awesome. I imagine like on network TV, maybe it's like he goes for the punch and like it cuts or something, right? Like Maybe. And you see the aftermath versus on AMC Plus, you see the whole fist base go through the guy's head. And it, yeah. It's like crazy. chunks yeah, of brain and viscera flying out. Also, I feel like the vampire powers in this show got like a big upgrade from the movie. Maybe not. I don't know. But these vampires seem OP as fuck, right? <laughs> They're super fast. They have... Like, telepathy, they're super strong, and, I don't know, they have, like, pyrokinesis? <laughs> they can light fires? Yeah, that one's new. <laughs> that one seems new, right? I mean, rewatching the old movie, like, it does seem like most of these powers are kind of in there. They're not explicitly said they could do these things, but, like, they all have those abilities. It's just not obvious as, like, this show puts it out. Yeah. I really like that church scene because I found it really interesting that, you know, he's, like, confessing in this confessional, and, like, the way... Lestat pulls out the priest it almost feels like this moment of divine intervention because he pulls him out from the top right and like you just see yeah, yeah, yeah. a bunch of light flood into the box next to him and then he gets pulled out I found that really interesting a really cool visual yeah actually one of my favorite scenes and I've already talked about it a little bit is actually in episode two the dinner scenes the interview scenes at the dinner table I think are great mm-hmm. the different meals that he brings out like I love when he brings out the two meals and like there's just something squirming under the cover yeah he yeah, just yeah. unveils it and it's like a, a live baby fox or whatever and he like eats it alive and it, I thought that was a great scene yeah episode two is great too because uh, you have that scene where Lewis is trying to reconnect with his family and it's his sister's baby, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. And the whole thing is like, he's tempted to eat the baby after meeting him for the first time. It's like intercut with the interview with Daniel Malloy and Louis telling like the whole story and all Malloy wants to know is like, yo, did you eat that fucking baby or not? <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Which I think Tell is me really, if you really ate funny. The baby. That was yeah. really yeah. funny. He knows how to uh, tell a story, too, and keep up the suspense, right? <laughs> yeah. Actually, I was going to ask, have you guys ever played the original Assassin's Creed? No. No, that's interesting. I thought you were going to go somewhere else with that. Okay, why Assassin's Creed? So, like, in that game, you play a character. I Honestly, it's been so long since I played it, so I don't actually remember the character's name. But, like, the whole idea of Assassin's Creed is that there's a character in the future that he gets hooked up to this machine and like it goes back into his bloodline where he can relive his ancestors' memories. So that's why there's a part that takes place in the future and there's a part that takes place in the past. Most of the game takes place in the past, but what I always found really interesting about Assassin's Creed is those moments where you get pulled into the future where you get to like walk around and learn more about this world that like you really only get a small bit about. And like I get that same feeling when I watch this show. Like I actually find the stuff that they hint at during the interview that's what I want to learn more about too because like the hint about like there's other vampires that are potentially going to start some kind of mass genocide where did he get all this money that he has servants that are serving his cause people that are there just to help him feed off human blood but not be killed and like these people seem really loyal to them like are they I guess in vampire lore are they like familiars right I think all that stuff's really interesting and I kind of hope we get more of that in the future maybe not this season but like in future seasons yeah I'm excited to see who they cast as Armand, you know, Antonio Banderas' mm-hmm. yeah, character yeah, in the yeah. movie. Yeah. That's going to be great, too. But yeah, I think 
the interview stuff is great, especially in episode three. I think it allows you to like take what you're seeing with a grain of salt, you know, like Louis as unreliable narrator, which I think is really interesting. Like his mm-hmm. recollection with his uh, rendezvous with his friend slash lover. Yeah. Which I thought was great. I thought Lestat showing his jealousy was great, really humanizing the character too. And it's not like he kills him or anything, but like he's like spying on them when he says like, oh, you're free to kill or fuck whoever you want. But it's clearly affecting him that, you know, Louis is forming this bond with this other guy. And I thought that was pretty great. Just adding some depth to that character. There's a lot going on in this show, right? There's a lot. There's a lot. We mentioned like race. We've mentioned sexuality. But there is this also really interesting idea of abusive relationship sure. between Lestat and Louis. You know what I mean? And like, then Louis like, I yeah. wouldn't characterize that as abusive, right? Yeah. Right. In the third episode. But then, you know, it's like every single aspect of like an actual abusive relationship you can see here. Down to Louis not admitting that it's abusive, you know? Right, yeah. There's only been three episodes. It does seem like a lot for like three episodes. But it all flows really well and like doesn't seem like it's beating over the head with any of these issues. I think it's all done well and respectfully. And I'm honestly in for the ride. I do really like this show so far. So the episodes like they flow well they're not slow but they're dense like there's a lot happening i think in every yes. episode yeah it feels like you get yeah. a lot out of the time you spend with the show they introduce a lot of characters everybody has some depth i think they do a lot with uh, the time they have it's not like this super decompressed stretched out story yeah so amir you said you didn't quite like the show as much as i did i mean what are some areas that you didn't like quite as much huh it's not that i didn't like it. Like, I have a ton of criticism for it or anything. I mean, it's fun, but that's also kind of all it is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I said, there's some interesting commentary on race and homosexuality, and but really, it's like it's a fun vampire show, right? And I think that I'm just getting more from some of the other shows that I've been watching recently. Okay, fair. Um, that's fair. Like nothing against this show. Like I'd say it's. Better than True Blood, right? <laughs> it's definitely better than True Blood. I don't know, man. True Blood was pretty fun at times, man. I'm with you on that one, Derek. True Blood's a lot of fun. There was some corny slash campy things in True Blood that I just like. I loved, man. I, I think it went off the rails in the last like couple seasons, but I, I think the first couple seasons of True Blood are, were really good and really, really fun. I will say that I am looking forward to the show once it does get past I mean, this is a very personal thing to say, like what I know, right? You know, I've only seen the 94 version. So like, I only know up to that point. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of waiting for all those pieces to fall in line now, you know, watching the show. And then I'd be interested to see what is next, right? What's after that? Because like I said, the 94 movie really leaves this trail of breadcrumbs. You know, what happens to Malloy? What happens to Lestat? What happens to Armand? And we never really got a resolution, at least in the cinematic universe. So, um... Yeah, I really do hope this show does well and keeps going. I do too. I also don't know anything about the rest of this cinematic universe. I think Mm -hmm. I read the original interview with the vampire, like the first book, but that's as far as it went for me. I'm interested to see where they go. We should say that, I mean, this is starting to become a universe already because isn't there also the Mayfair Witches show that's coming out on AMC? Yeah. Which is set, I believe, in this same universe, right? It's Anne Rice's, um, what does she call it? Immortal Universe. Immortal Universe. Thank you. So I'd be interested to see if those shows do like, you know, I I imagine they might do maybe like a little crossover or something. I don't know. If it's as good as this show, I'll definitely give that show a try too. Yeah. I think that one's going to star Alexandra Daddario. Yes. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. 
yeah true detective uh, fame all right well is there anything else that you guys wanted to bring up about the show not really this is a fun one if you want to see a gay vampire show this is uh the only one i know about right now so <laughs> check it out yeah it's a good one uh another show that's something that we're championing not too much chatter about this one but it gets the highest recommendation from me i really really like this do the free trial for amc plus you can watch the first three episodes and then figure it out after that figure it out after that yeah for sure I was going to say that um, I only hope that in 20 years we'll get a Hannibal remake where they're actually gay. (laughs) (laughs) Where they actually can be gay. No, I uh, I think we already have a Hannibal where they're gay. It's called Hannibal. (laughs) I'm still holding out hope for a season four. Oh my gosh, that'd be so great. Brian Fuller has not ruled it out. You think? And Mm -hmm. I think Mads Mikkelsen and Hugh Dancy are both on board, so I'm still holding out hope. When one of you guys wins the lotto, I'm sure that's going to be one of your little passion projects. (laughs) Handle season four. Yeah, that will start to be my answer when people ask me, hey, what would you do if you won the lotto? Uh, I would finance a season four of Hannibal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got your uh, six seasons in the movie for community, right? So, Hell yeah. All right. Well, I think that will conclude this week's episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find more of your work? You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at strangeharbors. What about you guys? You can find me in uh, 1910s New Orleans trying to get killed in a race riot. What about you, Derek? (laughs) (laughs) You're not trying to get turned into a vampire? No. You can find me at the World's OKest Photos and Screen Agents Guild on Instagram. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. Yeah, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions on Interview with a Vampire, the movie, or this new series, feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We like getting listener mail, sometimes read it out on the pod. And with that, we will see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.